Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome, welcome to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. We're talking about all things related to the gospel of the kingdom, and we are continuing our conversation, our exploration, our commentary, our discussion on every reference to the kingdom in the gospels. And we are still in Matthew 13, and we have been in Matthew 13, and now we are coming to the last parable that is actually in that chapter. So I'm gonna hand it over to my compatriot, my partner in crime, deep crime, and that is Denzel. Hey, good morning, good morning, good day, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of the day it is as we are going forward in the Insurgents podcast. You know, before I read our text, Matthew 13, verses 51 and 52, I was thinking about a previous podcast, how Jesus talks about the end of the age and the separation. So just to throw in a Denzel quote from uh, the movie Training Day, do you want to go home with the father or do you want to go to jail? (laughs) <laughs> Amen, somebody. Matthew 13, 51, 52. I'm going to read it from the New American Standard Bible. And it says, Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes. Then it goes on to say, And Jesus said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of household or a steward who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Interesting passage. Uh, I'll read it out of the New Living. Do you understand all these things? Jesus said to the disciples. Yes, they said, we do. (laughs) (laughs) Then he added, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storehouse new gems of truth as well as old. Hmm. Out of his treasures, things new and old. And the ESV, who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. I think it would be quite amazing if the disciples truly understood all of these parables, (laughs) I would be impressed because the greatest minds throughout history, even Hmm. up until today, debate what the interpretations of these parables are. (laughs) And so for the disciples to say, oh yeah, absolutely, we understand it, is pretty impressive if in fact it's true. I've read one scholar who said he was very skeptical about whether or not they really understood it. But it seems that Jesus accepted their answer. This is a mysterious passage in a lot of ways. And again, commentators, interpreters, those who are professional interpreters of the Bible disagree about what this is actually saying. And some admit that they don't understand what he's saying, unlike the disciples who said they did. Like any of these parables, I hold these things tight but loose. Mm. Uh, on the one hand, you know, there are insights 
that I'm very confident about, especially when it comes to application and adaptation, which is what we're focusing on yes. rather than hermeneutics Amen. and interpretation. But I hold the interpretations loosely. It's the same way with this parable. So Amen. basically, Jesus has just finished sharing a number of parables. We don't know if it was all seven in one day, probably not, given the chronology, but Matthew groups them together Mm. in this chapter. He was in effect saying, those who understand the mysteries of the kingdom are like a scribe, which is a teacher of Mm. the Torah, teacher of the law, and they are able to bring forth out of their treasure house, out of their storehouse, things that are new and old which implies treasures that are new and old. A scribe, a teacher instructed in the kingdom of heaven, and presumably he was saying this was them. You know, they they were not professional scribes. These guys were fishermen. You know, Matthew, it appears, was educated. He could write, was formally educated. Uh, He could write. He was a tax collector. But the others, you know, their education was more along the lines of journeymen today rather than college graduates, you know. But he's saying, in effect, that you are scribes when it comes to the kingdom of God. And when he refers to the storehouse, I think he's probably talking about the Hebrew scriptures, the story of Israel contained in the Hebrew Bible, which is what they had. I mean, they didn't have the New Testament. Amen. Hadn't been written yet. Especially when he refers to that which is old. Hmm. The old refers to the Hebrew scriptures. But he also talks about bringing new things out. New treasures out of the storehouse. And I think this clearly is, is the fresh and revolutionary message of the kingdom of God. Amen. The fresh revelation of Jesus, which they were given. They were instructed in the mysteries of the kingdom. Now, this doesn't mean that the old is useless because the new has come in. The new doesn't make the old obsolete. We already saw this principle in Matthew 5 where he said, I have not come to make the law obsolete. I've come to fulfill the law. The law is not going to pass away until everything is fulfilled. Amen. So consequently, you know, we who are in the kingdom, we who are part of the insurgents, we observe the ways of God in the past, the ancient paths, as the Old Testament calls them. But we move those ancient paths into fresh arenas. Amen. We move them into fresh contexts. Jesus was not a sacred tradition person who said, we only have to do the old thing and stick to it. (laughs) He advocates newness. But the newness does not depart from God's previous speaking, right? Everything we read about in the Gospels doesn't overturn what God has said in the past. It throws fresh light on it. Amen. I have a chapter in the book, Revise Us Again. You have a copy of that book, Denzel? Yes, I do. Yeah. Well, good for you. You get some extra credit for that. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I have a chapter on the threefold speaking of God, and in it, I talk about three aspects and dimensions of the voice of the living God. Mm. And each of those three aspects map to the three sections of the Hebrew Bible. And the Hebrews divided the Bible up, their Bible, into three parts. 
you had the law, the Torah, you had the prophets, and then you had the wisdom literature, okay? Amen. Now, later, people broke the Old Testament up more than three sections, but, you know, the historical books went with the prophets in the early centuries. So you had law, prophets, wisdom literature. Now, in that chapter, I bring out that God speaks one way through the law, he speaks another way through the prophets, he speaks another way through the wisdom literature. Mm -hmm. And those three ways are held in tension, but they don't contradict each other. They all complement one another. And I talk about how various denominations only recognize God speaking through one of those three dimensions. Yes, yes. <laughs> and Jesus speaks through all three. He is the new Moses, mm -hmm. right? Allah, he speaks through the law, but fulfills it <laughs> Amen. and gets to the heart of it. He is the true prophet. All right. Amen. So he has that prophetic dimension mm -hmm. of his speaking. And he is the new Solomon. He yes. is the true sage. Yes. And he, in fact, is the incarnation of wisdom. Mm -hmm. But we need all three. And so when the Lord is saying, you're going to bring out of this storehouse things that are old, meaning the Hebrew scriptures, but things also which are new, meaning the revelation of Christ, mm -hmm. the new covenant, that which extends the story of Israel and fulfills it. Amen. And even though the disciples may not have fully understood what the Lord was saying, they were certainly on the road mm. to understanding. Yes. And Jesus did say that when the Spirit comes, mm -hmm. he will reveal all things, including opening up the things I have shared with you. <laughs> and that's the Holy Spirit's role today as well. You know, he reveals to us what God has spoken in his written word. The scribes were trained interpreters of the Mosaic law, and those who are being trained in the school of Christ, <laughs> that's the disciples, first followers, and you and me, and everyone else who's following Jesus today, as well as in the past, we are an alternative to the established professional scribes of the Old Testament. Amen. And he was in effect telling them, you are scribes. In Matthew 23, verse 34, when he was upbraiding the Pharisees, he said this, it's very interesting. He said to them, therefore I am sending you prophets and sages and scribes, hmm. teachers, and some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. Okay, so what he's saying there is, I'm going to send you my own scribes, my own prophets, my own sages. And that was fulfilled, Jeffrey, in those 12 men. And it was also fulfilled in those who followed Jesus afterwards. Amen. Wow. So, yeah, you know what you just said there from uh, Matthew 23, verse 34. When I first read this text, even reading it again this morning, every time I see scribe, I don't know why it's Jeff Denzel reaction. I think of Ezra, who was a, a scribe. But but yeah, and, and now that Jesus, we're the priesthood of all believers and we follow him, that we're stewards of the treasures of the household. I personally, what do you, my perspective is uh, we're stewards. So I'm a steward of the mysteries of God, of, mm -hmm. of his eternal purpose to distribute them as he's saying here, over the household. So the, the stewards over the household to distribute to the members of the household from the riches of his, because it's called a treasure, 
to the members of the household. So, you know, this morning as I was just reflecting on this and just spending time with the Lord, I'm saying to myself, you know, wow, Lord, um, this is interesting because in these parables that we've gone over in previous podcasts, you know, he starts out with the one of the parable of the sower. You know, some people say parable of the soil. I've heard people say parables of the heart, that four different reactions or responses to when the steward is distributing the riches of his grace, the mysteries of the gospel to the household, that he's training them and serving him, like he said, the school of Christ, because it's like, okay, this is what you're going to see. This is what you're going to experience. And you got to understand this proverb for it's the paradigm for understanding the rest of them. So then he, he gets into, you know, okay, the son of man sows the seed, which is the word, and, you know, it's going to grow wheat, but at night the enemy comes and, and sows his seed, which probably be his words, which are lies and deceit. And they wheat and tear grow together. So I'm sitting back and saying, okay, so I'm a steward and I'm distributing the treasures, and I have to understand that there's gonna be wheat and tear who are hearing this, and it's not for me to separate, but to be faithful as a steward in the distribution of the mystery of the gospel of his eternal purpose. So I, I did something that I heard you say in A Tale of Two Seeds that I listened to on the Crisis All podcast the other day, and that was, you said, you, you like how a theme runs from Genesis to Revelation. And you said, you can go to Bible Gateway and just type in the word seed and just, tr you know, track it, you know, through scripture. So I went this morning, I went in the Bible Gateway and I put the word steward mm -hmm. and tracked it. And uh, I like what I, what I saw. First Corinthians 4, Paul says, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries That's of right. God. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Verse 2, he says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Yes. He says, But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, mm -hmm. for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Mm -hmm. So I went back and looked at some of the parables that we did in previous podcasts and said, yeah, he says the wheat and tare will grow together. In a previous podcast, we saw how wheat and tare look exactly the same. You cannot tell the difference until they reach maturity because wheat will have fruit and tares won't. Mm. But even in that, the Lord says, you don't you know, separate them in that day, the day of judgment. I will send my angels and they will be the ones that will separate. So then I saw another verse about stewards with Paul. That one was in 1 Corinthians 9. And in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 16 and 17, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16 and 17, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel, for if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, he says, I have a stewardship 
that's been entrusted to me, that's mm-hmm. been distributed to me by the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then another one that I saw, actually one of my favorite ones, is in Colossians chapter 1, where Paul says, and, and again from the New American Standard Bible, in Colossians 1, I'm going to start at verse 24. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations. So we can go into the old, as it says in there, and see in the Old Testament, the shadow pointing in God's eternal purpose as it runs through the Bible, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which works mightily in me. And lastly, I want to read 1 Peter chapter 4 because Peter was with the disciples in in the context of what we've been reading and going through in Matthew 13. And Peter says in 1 Peter 4, picking up at verse 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then verse 11, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, you know, Frankie V, as I was looking at that and reflecting and just sitting and talking with the Lord, this is what came to my mind. And I says, wow, this fits so well, because if you're a steward and we are stewards, amen, the priesthood of all believers, we just read that. We read the reason for the stewardship. We see what to do. You go back and you look at the parable of the wheat and the tare growing together, the parable of the great dragnet getting all kinds of fish. There's going to be this mixture. So as a steward and dealing in a context where and this is the, the application, a practical piece. I know that in any fellowship or audience or you know, believers coming together, there's going to be a mixture. And I don't know who's who. Mm-hmm. The Lord's going to divide that. But I do know, as I heard Peter just say and Paul just say, that we need the grace or the enablement, the anointing, the power of God to press through when we're dealing in these situations. So I went to this new book I just read a couple months ago, and the name of it is 48 Laws of Spiritual Power. And I looked at law number one. The first law is on par as it reads with the law and the prophets. The cardinal law above all others is never to hurt God's people. 
never to hurt God. The Lord calls his workers to take the high road, to repeatedly absorb the blows for the sake of God and his people, and most importantly, to hand their egos over to the cross. I'm going to stop there, but actually, through the first seven laws of the 48 laws of spiritual power, uncommon wisdom for greater ministry by this uh, gentleman named Frank Viola, and just looking at the first seven, I saw so many applications to this here for me, for us, in a practical sense, meaning that there's going to be this mixture in any group that you're sharing these treasures with. And there's going to be tears. They're not for me to pull out or whatever, but you are going to suffer criticism, slander, lies. People you know, are going not going to treat you that great at times. What that means then in these 48 laws as a steward, recognizing that this is what Jesus says in this parables, the context I'm in, then Peter again, to arm yourself just like Christ to expect that. And if you go on reading the rest of Matthew 13, what I love about Jesus and is that practical is they go to Nazareth and then he says, I just I just taught you all these things. I showed you, you said you understood. Okay, now you're going to get a practical demonstration of it. And he goes to share the gospel of the kingdom. And what happens? They look at him and say, isn't that the carpenter's son? Isn't that this? Isn't that that? And he's rejected. And so just what he just shared with them and and teaching them, then he goes and gives them a demonstration by sharing publicly and them seeing the reaction and seeing the responses Mm -hmm. and then probably watching his response, which is discipleship, taking people with you, teaching them, but then also the application of it. And then they can see in real life, in Mm -hmm. real time. Yeah, this is real. In other generations, it was not made known unto the sons of men. From all ages, it's been hid in God. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 3, 5, and 9. The Pharisees, these austere creatures who were ultra-religious, pious, full of arrogance, Mm. that their interpretations of the Hebrew Scriptures were pinpoint accurate. And they were, in effect viewed as the authorized teachers of God's kingdom. And then you had the formal scribe who the Pharisees learned from, and they, in effect, aligned themselves with. They were the religious professional interpreters, the scholars. But both the scribe and the Pharisee could only produce what was old. Mm. And, of course, it was filtered through the tradition of the elders and the mission that they created and the oral law that went along with it, which just created bondage for people. But the message of the kingdom here, according to Jesus, is don't discard the old, the old scriptures. Mm. Not what the scribes and Pharisees tacked on to it, but don't discard the Hebrew scriptures the kingdom message doesn't abolish the law, the prophets, and Amen. the wisdom literature, but it adds new revelation to yeah. that. And this is what Jesus did. He added new revelation. He opened up the scriptures. Mm. This is an example of him bringing out the treasures new and old out of his storehouse. And so did his followers, especially the apostles whom he commissioned. And we didn't look at verse 35 yet because it doesn't mention the kingdom. But 
it goes along with everything he has said in chapter 13, mm. and I'll read it to you. Yes. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So the parables were revealing that which was hidden before the world began. And the secrets of the kingdom, which the parables were framed in, the secrets of the kingdom, which were framed in the parables very often, brought the old covenant, brought the old to fulfillment. Hmm. And the new and the old are brought together in the kingdom. The new is fresh and exciting, but it's deeply rooted in the old. And the old is raised to fresh dimensions. Matthew's entire gospel is very much communicating this very statement about treasures new and old because throughout Matthew's gospel, he constantly is quoting the Hebrew scriptures and showing how they're fulfilled in Jesus in a new and fresh way. And even in Jesus' own teaching, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are prime examples. You have the intermingling of the new and the old. He quotes Moses and then he said, well, here's what Moses really meant. That's good. Here's what was behind God's word through Moses. Here's the heart of it. He brought it to a new dimension. But again, he wasn't discarding the old. He was rooting the new in the old. And I have tried to do this in many of my books, offhand from eternity to here. Amen. I view that as my attempt to bring forth treasures new and old. Uh, Jesus of Theography, another one. Bringing forth treasures new and old. Mm -hmm. And so anyone who is proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom is, in the words of Jesus, like a scribe, but a new scribe. Amen. Who's part of a new order. Bringing forth things that are new and old. And of course, Jesus is the subject of both. And I'd like to just wrap this episode up as we close Matthew 13 by pointing out that the running challenge in all seven parables, and if you add this last word that Jesus gave about treasures new and old, then you can say it's eight. (laughs) But that doesn't really uh, appear to be a parable. But that can go either way. Maybe it's a parable. Perhaps it's not. Either way. The running challenge in all of them is understanding and action and that both are tied together. The understanding of the kingdom message is essential. This is why in the parable of the sower and the parable of the soil, same names for the same parable, you have the word understand or understanding nine times. And throughout the entire chapter, Matthew 13, looking at all of those parables together, you have the word understand or or understanding 11 times. Hmm. So understanding is critical, but understanding requires an active response. Mm. If you have understanding without action, then it's all theoretical. Mm. It's all in your head. Amen. There's no fruit. Amen. That will be born. This is the peril of gaining a lot of head knowledge, whether it's theological knowledge, doctrinal knowledge, or even scriptural knowledge. Understanding without action will render you simply a mindy, heady individual that's full of information, but there will be no fruit now. Mm. On the other hand, if we have action without understanding, we will misapply Mm. the message. 
and it will also be duty-based. And that too will hinder the bearing of fruit. But when the kingdom of God is understood, nothing can compare to its value, as we've seen in the parable of the Pearl of Great Price and the parable of the hidden treasure. And at the heart of it all is the need to unveil Christ. Yeah. It's the need to see him do it afresh, and it's the need for those who preach and teach and share to unveil him. And in the book, 48 Laws of Spiritual Power, I have a whole chapter on unveiling Christ, which Mm -hmm. I would encourage people to read. But this word of understanding, so important in this matter of the parables in Matthew 13, it seems to me we have three parts. The first part is the condition of the heart of the person, right? If a person's heart is not open, if they are not willing to respond to what they hear, then understanding will be cut off. They will hear, but not understand. Amen. There is a statement by Jesus where he says, if any man will do, he shall know. If any man will do his will, he shall know. Of course, we can insert woman there too. The point is knowledge, spiritual knowledge, understanding, insight, revelation is predicated upon the heart's willingness to obey, to do, to respond. Okay, that's not there. Understanding will be shut off. Uh, the second part is the Holy Spirit's awakening. But the Spirit of God would open the eyes of the heart, that the Spirit of God would open the heart. But again, if the heart is hard, and bent on closing one's ears and eyes, the spirit does not have a path Mm. uh, unless he does something dramatic in the person's life to bring them to a point through circumstances, right? right. right. (laughs) Where they take a second look. And I think probably all of us can give examples of that. (laughs) And then the third part is the clarity and the understanding of the messenger. Right? If the messenger who's giving the message of the kingdom is sloppy, he doesn't understand the message himself or herself, then it's going to be difficult for those who hear to understand. Now, in the case of Jesus, he was crystal clear. There was no one who was a better communicator. Mm -hmm. So with Jesus, it really came down to the condition of the heart and the Holy Spirit's awakening. Mm -hmm. And these are the three ingredients necessary for understanding. I will read a passage. I referred to it in an earlier episode, but I didn't have the passage on hand. But this is a very helpful text, I think, for all who are listening with respect to how to gain understanding. 2 Timothy 2, verse 7, the NIV. Paul's talking to Timothy. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. The New Living. Think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. New American Standard. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. 2 Timothy 2.7. The point there is that Paul is putting together this issue of reflecting on, Mm -hmm. thinking about, considering, in other words, meditating on and we have much of that in the Old Testament. You know, I meditate on your word day and night. Mm. You have that connected with understanding. So when it comes to anything that Jesus says, bring it before the Holy Spirit. Consider it. Think about it. Meditate on it. But do so not as an isolated individual, but with other believers. Amen. And that can take the form of reading what they have said, what they have shared about it. 
but it can take the form of what Denzel and I have been doing, where we're talking over and reflecting on the words of Jesus in these incredible parables. So that's what I will leave with you as we close this episode. Anything you want to add to it? My last word is, this has been fantastic. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fantastic. Yes, yes. Well, folks, we are going to continue to explore all the references to the kingdom. I do not know how many we have gotten through so far. We have been doing this for quite some time, so if you're new to the show, go back and listen to all the previous episodes. Get caught up, and I think that it will help form you, shape you, challenge you, encourage you, and God willing, transform you. The kingdom message, the gospel of the kingdom, is the most powerful message in all the New Testament. And of course, if any of this puts a hunger and a desire in you for Jesus Christ and his glorious kingdom, the book Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, will be of help to you. And I know several people who have read that book more than once. I know for me, if a book really grabs me, I have to read it more than once because of the drip drip effect. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get it all in one take, right? I've got to immerse myself in that message. And there's so much in that book that I guarantee, this is based on testimonials I've heard from people, you will see, you will hear new things, fresh things, the second, third time around, etc. if you feel so inclined. We'll leave it there. And we will see you next time. God bless. Praise the Lord. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.